Welcome back, everyone. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. We are here today to cover part two of the story of Tylee and JJ, the missing kids from Rexburg. My mom is back again, thankfully. Hi, mom. Hi, guys. How are ya? <laughs> Before we jump back in, I do just want to say thank you for all of the love and support that we have received since last week. We were actually at number 91 on the top 100 true crime podcast charts on Apple, which was just crazy. Like when we found that out, I was just mind blown. We were just jumping up and down like little kids. It was so fun. Um, And that is because of you guys. We wouldn't have gotten there without all of you guys sharing and supporting. And we just have received a ton of support this week. And it's kind of been mind blowing. So yeah, it's, it's been pretty awesome. Remember to follow our socials. The more that we've grown, the more in-depth the conversations on there um, have become between members. So we are really growing into this awesome community that I, I didn't really expect when we started this. I just loved true crime, and I was always talking about it with people, and Garrett was like, hey, you're really good at telling those stories and talking, so I think we should start a podcast and I was like, well, I need someone to talk to. And he was like, well, not me. And I was like, well, yeah, you. I mean, you hate it. It'll be so fun. (laughs) That was just kind of what we thought it was going to be, just a way for me to do this for our friends and family that I was always talking to about it. But now it's just grown a lot bigger than, I mean, it's not huge, but it's just been bigger than we thought it was going to be. So I just want to say, you know, thank you. We had no intention of this, but it's awesome. Yeah. And we're going to keep going every week. So keep sharing it with your friends and anything you can to get it out there. Follow us, leave a review. We're just on all social media channels at Murder With My Husband and it really helps. So thank you guys. Okay. So just jumping into part two right away because we have a lot to talk about. Um, I got most of this information from Analytics again um, and also Dateline. We kind of got some requests to Uh, as to you know why weren't you guys focusing more on this or why weren't you talking more about this part so there is more to Alex the brother and a couple other characters from the prepper group that are slightly involved in this story but we have chose to put our time into other sections of this story because we don't have all the time in the world to dissect every single character that's involved if you are interested in those details that um you know, aren't completely vital to this case, but, you know, might lead one to believe that there were more people who knew what Chad and Lori were doing besides Chad and Lori. Um, You can check those out on your own. They are covered slightly on Dateline and through the analytics. It's just, they're not vital, but I mean, you can read more in depth about those if you want to. Um, We do want to dive deeper into Tylee and JJ on this episode and put the focus back on them, but I do need to preface that because they're underage and a lot of details about who they were as people um, have not really been released, um, and Lori and Chad have really stolen the limelight here, which has made reporters not want to talk about the kids and kind of give them the love that they deserve, Um, and also because they moved around so much, they didn't really have those connections or, you know, clubs or groups of people in their life that could speak on them and who they were just like other normal victims. So we're going to do, uh, the best with the info we have on focusing on Tylee and JJ and giving them the respect that they deserve throughout this. But that was just a little preface. If you haven't listened to part one of Tylee and JJ, 
leave now and listen to that first. It's the last episode before this. If not, you will most likely be lost. There was a lot of details and a lot of people and connections covered in that one that we can't go back and rehash. So go listen to that one first and then come back and listen to this one. So Garrett mom, where we left off was Tylee and JJ haven't been seen since September 2019. Their grandparents have been trying their hardest to get a hold of them, but have not called the cops yet because their relationship with their mom, the missing kids, Lori, has been shattered mm-hmm. um, when Alex, Lori's brother, killed their family member or son, Charles, who was in the process of getting a divorce from Lori. Oh, that's right. Um, Lori had then moved her and her kids to Rexburg to be with her new lover, Chad Daybell, whose wife just mysteriously died in the middle of her sleep. And that's kind of basically where we had left off. So I'm going to back up a little bit back into January 2019 before Lori had basically destroyed Charles' life okay. and disappeared for those two months where she was with Alex and then in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, JJ Vallow's autism medication was being filled in January for the last time ever. This is suspicious because that exact same bottle is found eight months later with 17 pills still in it. Which means we can presume that from this, that Lori was not giving JJ his pills on a regular basis or not nearly as often as he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, what? that's nine months. Yeah, it's a long time. I mean, January and they go missing in September, and this is vital medication to keep this kid stable. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many pills are in the bottle by chance? I don't, but there was still 17 which in it. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. I yeah. mean, I can't. And, and, he was supposed to be taking this daily. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, he needed this. Um, neighbor, you know, April, Lori's friend from Hawaii, remember, she noted that that when Lori went to Hawaii for those two months, she had JJ's medication with her. And she thought that was weird because JJ oh, wasn't yeah. with her. I remember that. So unless Charles, like, asked for a new prescription and filled it for JJ, JJ was out without meds those whole two months. Yeah. That she was in Hawaii. And when in Rexburg, neighbors actually like expressed concern for JJ, you know, stating that he was wild and that he threw tantrums. And Lori never, ever told him that he um, had autism. Mm. She said that he was her niece's, and I quote, drug baby. And that's why he was acting so naughty. When in reality, he had been diagnosed with something and had medication that he was supposed to be taking, but his needs just weren't getting met in many ways. Yeah, can I point out, even if he was her niece's drug baby, baby. quote unquote drug baby, that just shows the state of mind that Lori was under. And how much she cared about. She's raised this kid since he was Yeah, have some humanity. Exactly. Um. So on September 5th, um, 2019, just about a couple weeks before JJ was last seen by those neighbors on the ring doorbell, Lori calls his school that he's in in Rexburg to tell them that she's actually just going to withdraw him and homeschool him. So this was weeks before he's last seen, but I think this goes to show the planning. Mm-hmm. They knew They knew they were planning. She was like, I have to withdraw him from school so that no one from school is checking in on him. Yeah. So typically in East Idaho area, schools start that either that very last few days of August or directly after the holiday in September. So he, she had enrolled him probably previously earlier on in August. Mm -hmm. 
and then he attended a few days. But this is what you're talking about with the vagabond lifestyle. This is he's he's only been in school what twenty maybe twenty school days total, if that, probably less. So he's not going to be incredibly missed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll be missed. And but- he was a new kid. He just barely yeah. moved there. He had no connections. No one was looking for him. No one thought it was suspicious when he just suddenly stopped coming to school. This wasn't a boy that they had been going to school with since first grade. Mm-hmm. Like this was just a random boy that came for a couple of days and left. And no yeah. teachers were like, oh, you know, where's JJ? We really miss him. So on the 8th of September... We kind of already discussed this, but Lori, Alex, Tylee, and JJ go to Yellowstone. Uh-huh. Um, and this kind of becomes the last place that people like us have tied the kids to. If you notice online and on news outlets, they kind of talk about Yellowstone. Like Yellowstone was the last place. Isn't there a picture of them at Yellowstone? Yeah. Right? So many assume that Tylee was actually put in harm around this time on this trip because the last picture of her was alive was taken on this trip. Okay. Um, some think that Lori took JJ on this trip and Alex handled Tylee so that they took them to Yellowstone to get away from everyone. And this is where Tylee fell into harm's way. And it was a plan and everything. It's so strange to me that Alex is still just following Lori everywhere and doing everything for her. As far as we know, it seems like. And I think you're going to be surprised as we talk about Alex a little more in this part two of this story. Yeah. That you don't know because Garrett doesn't know anything that we're about to talk about. I think you're going to be surprised. Okay. (laughs) Um, Keep in mind also, this is why it's so easy to, to um, identify the last time Tylee was seen. She's 16. You think about 16 year olds, they're taking Snapchats of themselves, TikTok Mm -hmm. videos. There's lots of photographic evidence of where they're supposed to be. And this is the last thing they have. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So is there any, was she active on social media? Was she active on Snapchat? Was she active on TikTok? And Yeah, these? when her birthday rolls around, because her birthday was that summer, uh-huh. when her birthday rolls around and she doesn't post anything on social media. Um, that's when things start people to. People like noticed. Okay. Um, but actually, okay, well, we don't know the definite day that she went missing, but people were receiving texts back, responses from Tylee up until the end of this case, which means that Lori was texting people pretending to be Tylee. She wasn't going out of her way, but if someone texted Tylee saying, hey girl, I haven't seen you. Where are you? She just texted back. I've been busy. I've been busy. I've not feel well. That's so so messed up. She did lead people on to believe that, well, I'm texting her. So at least she's responding. I haven't seen her. But it wasn't photographic either. And that's the point I want to make. I mean, when you were that age, pictures are everything. Yes. Yeah. And so this is going back to what I said at the beginning of, I wish I knew. I wish I knew if Tylee's friends were worried or if Tylee even had friends in Rexburg who were like, we haven't seen her. Maybe all of Tylee's friends were back in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And so it was not that weird that they weren't seeing her Mm -hmm. in person. I don't know. They don't, there hasn't been any extensive coverage of this well this just happened out yeah and and like i mom said with the whole vagabond thing that's what leads to this is that were there people who really cared like enough to be like oh i haven't i mean i'm not putting blame on anyone but these kids weren't found or even reported missing for a long time yeah when a normal kid goes missing for a couple hours and people are like oh they're that that kid's missing a kid doesn't show up to school for a day and 
and the school officials call CPS. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Tylee didn't establish social circles in the Rexburg area. Her mom had told lots of people that she was attending college, Mm -hmm. that she had graduated high school early and was attending college. She wasn't attending any school. So at all, Lori was almost planning this for a long time because she kept oh, telling people I different things like before the they college moved thing. to Rexburg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I believe before, like you said, before they moved to Rexburg, they knew what was going to happen. Like your mom said, just small stuff like that is just hints for people to not have an alibi and all yeah. this. Mm-hmm. So back okay. to the Yellowstone picture of Tylee, the last picture. Um, if this is true, that this is where Tylee met the hands of Alex or Lori or whoever. It's horrible because Lori was the one who took the picture of Tylee at the entrance of Yellowstone, which just feels weird to me because she knew. She knew it was going to happen. And she said, Tylee, let me take your picture. Mm-hmm. Almost like a like a memory. Or like, like an in memoriam. And, and most time, people don't want to remember what should be their worst day. Your daughter is about to die. Why would you want to remember that? And, and also keep in mind, Lori's not a scrapbooker. When they were, if you, if we were to fast forward when law enforcement starts taking, um, items out of the home and everything there, she had thrown away their toys, Mm -hmm. JJ, like she got rid of everything. So the reason she took a picture has to have some significance because she's not doing it because it's warm and fuzzy for her. It's not like. Like, oh, I like I love my kids. Hey, let's take a picture because we're all at Yellowstone together. I mean, it just sounds like pretty psychopathic behavior just in all the other stories we do. Yeah. People will do things out of seeming like they care, but they don't actually care. Yeah. They're just doing them to do them. So this was um, on September 8th. It was only nine days later that that footage was captured of JJ Alive, just so we can clear up this timeline. Okay. On the 18th. Um, a nanny that Lori had hired to take care of JJ comes to the house, which let's just speak on this too. If this is true at this point, if we truly believe that, that Tylee fell into harm's way in Yellowstone, Lori only has JJ at home now. And now she's hired a nanny, which makes sense because Tylee was doing primary caregiving for JJ. Mm -hmm. So she's like, Oh, I gotta have some help because I've Tylee's not here anymore. Yeah. Lori tells the nanny that Tylee is going to college, which mom, you just said, wasn't true. And that's why Tylee wasn't there. And that her husband, Charles, had died of a heart attack in Arizona. And that's why they moved to Rexburg. Oh, my gosh. Which we know it's not true. Her brother, <laughs> Alex, shot Charles. Yeah. Um, during all of this, grandparents are still emailing. Family members are still emailing, reaching out, begging to talk to Tylee and JJ. Um, the next day, the nanny comes back. So first day was like orientation, right? Next day, nanny comes back to care for JJ. And she notes to police some odd behavior that was going on in the family of two. Now it's just Lori and JJ. She states that Lori joked about giving JJ his medication early sometimes so that he would go to sleep and give her a break. Oh, my. She also randomly said that, hey, you know... um, I have to leave today. I need to go with my brother, Alex, and we're going to go to the Idaho Falls airport. So this is the first day that this nanny is taking care of JJ. And she's like, sorry, I got to leave. My brother's coming to pick me up and we're going to the airport. When Alex came to pick her up, he literally walked in. She was like, hey, this is a nanny that's taking care of JJ. And he was like, hi. And they left. It really just goes to show how much she just doesn't care. No. And it blows my mind. The nanny let JJ play at the neighbor's house 
Like while she was watching him, he really wanted to go. And then she made him come home for dinner. She fed him dinner. And after dinner, JJ wanted to go back to the friend's house. But the nanny said no. And JJ has a complete meltdown. Keep in mind, we're not sure JJ is taking his medication, mm-hmm. which we know he needs. Mm-hmm. So and this might be typical behavior of him. There are difficulties in raising a child that has special needs like autism. And I think that points out even more. Why do you leave your kid on day one? Yeah. If he's got special needs, you kind of have to help the nanny figure like out how, how to work to through these things. things. I was going to ask, do you know how severe his autism is? Does it say anything about that? I ha- I've read in a couple of different articles. It appears that he has about the level of a four-year-old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is why Tylee was basically his mom. Tylee took care of him. They had a very special bond. Mm-hmm. And I think when Tylee was gone now... Lori was at her wits end Mm -hmm. because for the first time she was actually having to take care of JJ. Keep in mind when Lori ran off to Hawaii, who'd she take? Yeah. Not JJ. I don't think she ever really loved JJ. Charles even said in those, when he was talking to his friends, she doesn't want me and JJ anymore. Yeah. I mean, apparently she didn't care for Tylee either. (laughs) So the nanny goes upstairs to find JJ after she's let him, I'm sure she didn't really know how to handle it. So she let him have his time and his meltdown. And so she walks upstairs and starts going in the rooms looking for JJ and she finds him under Lori's bed, like hiding under there, which she's kind of like, what? So she goes to in his room to talk to him instead of doing it in Lori's room and notices that he doesn't have a bed in his room. He only has toys. So she goes back into Lori's room and there's a tiny little mattress in the corner of Lori's room. And that's where JJ was sleeping. Oh my god! Like a dog. Like she didn't even care enough about JJ to get him his own bed in his own room at this new house in Rexburg. He was sleeping on the floor of Lori's room. But we had enough money to spend two random months in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. When Lori arrived home that day, JJ was still upset. And and so, you know, the nanny was trying to explain, you know, I told him he couldn't go and he got upset. And Lori Lori was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Gave the nanny $40 in cash. And that was the last time the nanny ever came to watch JJ. And this was supposed to be like a long-term job, like, she said, I need you to watch him full time. And so the nanny was super confused when Lori never reached out again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, because I'm sure Lori was sketched out because the nanny was getting suspicious. Well, and she didn't really need a nanny if she was planning on taking care of JJ in, mm-hmm. what, six days? Yeah. And this is complete, I'm just being subjective here and wondering, but if her and Alex have spent a significant amount of time on this afternoon together... There, there's possibility for planning or whatever they're yeah. going to do to um, JJ. You know, if if they've come up with a secure plan at this point, then there's no reason to have a nanny. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that. I'm sure you're going to get to it, but I always thought it was Chad and Lori, but I'm sure Alex is mm-hmm. a lot more involved in oh, this yeah. than I thought. People in and around Lori, honestly, Tylee and JJ's life around this time start to notice that Tylee was not in person at things and they question it but Lori keeps brushing it off you know oh for people in Rexburg Tylee's off at college now for people in Arizona oh Tylee's doing fine yeah no I don't know why she hasn't FaceTime you no she's good yeah text her wow let's give some people some demographics of Rexburg it's a very small town with a very large campus when the students are not in the Rexburg area, the population of Rexburg is diminished significantly. Mm-hmm. And it is probably, 
I don't know exactly the location of the town home that Lori was living in, but from the campus of the college where where uh, Tylee was supposed to be attending to Lori's townhome would definitely be under 10 minutes. Absolutely. So it's kind of weird that she was never home. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about Chad right now? Do you know what Chad's doing during all of this? Is he still talking to Lori? Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. Still- they're, I mean, they're full on, you know, hanging out. Keep in mind, at this point in our story, we've gone back a little bit. Yes. So Tammy is not passed away in her sleep just yet okay so this is a misconception is that um the kids go missing after tammy the kids okay well we don't know the exact date but the last time they're seen is actually before tammy passes away or is murdered or we don't know yet okay Mm -hmm. i just want to make sure i got the timeline right so right now we're around september 10th september 11th Mm -hmm. yeah we're in mid-september okay yeah so on september 23rd JJ was last seen in person at school because this was his last day. So he had to like finish out the whatever before she could withdraw him. So he finishes it out. And September 23rd is when Lori withdraws him. And when she comes to the school, she doesn't ask for any of his transcripts. She doesn't ask for any information about homeschooling. She just picks him up and basically like, thanks. Bye. Mm -hmm. And the school's like, this is not normally how this process goes. Like normally they ask for their transcripts because they're moving or you know, information about homeschool. Like she never asked him any, anything. Yeah. Um, when the nanny reaches out to ask, you know, Hey, it's been a couple days. Like, why haven't I been back? I thought this was supposed to be a full-time job. You know, Lori tells her that JJ had gone to stay with his grandma and that Lori herself was in Hawaii. So they wouldn't be needing her anymore. Dude, This girl literally has a story for everything. Uh-huh. She has a million different stories. The next day, September 24th, 2019 was supposed to be Tylee's birthday. Um, her 17th birthday, which I think last in part one, we referred to her as being 17. She was actually 16, but 17 at the time she went missing. So everyone was calling her 17 because everyone thought she was still around during her 17th birthday. So 16, 17, we're not really sure, but I just want to clear that up for everyone. Um, and yeah, she goes without posting anything on social media. And so people okay. kind of thought that was weird. Yep. Colby, her brother texts her telling her happy birthday and she replies, but it's kind of weird. Like she doesn't use any emojis, which Colby said she always used Colby and her talked a lot over text and FaceTime. And so he told her he missed her and he wants to see her in person. So please call him so he can at least, you know, talk to her on the phone and she doesn't reply. And so then he texts her again and says, I'm worried about you. Please call me. I need to hear your voice. So Colby was feeling like something is off. Like, I don't think this is her texting me. And she texts back and says, I'm busy. Sorry, can't call you. That's so sad. I didn't Mm -hmm. know they had that close of a relationship. Yeah. That's really sad. On October 1st, 2019, Lori Vallow gets a storage unit in Rexburg. Keep in mind, this storage unit is 350 yards away from Rexburg City's dump. So it's just a basically hop, skip, and jump away from the dump. Or the landfill. Some other people might call okay, it a landfill. Yeah, landfill. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's a colloquialism for yeah. <laughs> um, Idaho. This storage unit is going to become a major part of this case. October 1st, Janice Cox, Lori's mother, says that she spoke to JJ on the phone on October 1st. She gave her phone records to police who have confirmed that she did make a call to Lori's cell phone that day, but there is no proof that she actually spoke to JJ. Yeah. Um, I think at this time it would be 
a pretty safe assumption that as a mother, you don't think that your daughter would have actually done that. And so you would easily jump on and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I called her this day and I talked to JJ. Fast forward a couple months, the kids' bodies are found. You might be backtracking like, okay, maybe I didn't talk to that, JJ. I mean, that happened in one of our other cases. Yeah. Which case was it where the dad still to this day said, no, yeah. they didn't do it. Like they, I think as a parent, it's really hard to believe. So when Lori comes into attack... And she's getting slaughtered. I think it would be very easy for the mother to say, no, I talked to JJ on October 1st. Do you think you'd be like that with Peyton? I don't know, because I'm a super analytical person. Yeah. And I also really pay attention to detail. I was going to point out, they don't ask, law enforcement does not ask Janice these questions for several weeks. So they're going off of phone records when they say, did you talk to her on October 1st and was JJ present? She might say yes. And have it, it was September. Yeah, have it completely yeah. confused with a conversation she had with Lori two weeks prior to that. That's a good because point. Because there's some there's some time that passes before law enforcement asks these questions. Yeah. I mean, we talk on the phone. I talk to my mom on the phone every single day, at mm-hmm. least. I wouldn't be... In a week, I wouldn't be able to recall which no day way. we talked about what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't... I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. So on October 2nd, the next day, Lori and Chad are seen on surveillance at the storage unit. They put a tire in the unit and a car seat. So they get a tire and a car seat out of the car and walk it into the storage unit. The whole thing lasted seven minutes. So this is a, um, not by police have said this theory. This is a civilian theory that is going on. The Jeep that was used, Tylee's Jeep that was used by Alex in that drive-by shooting, remember we talked about last Mm -hmm. time, Uh was done in Arizona this exact same day. So on October 2nd, he was drive-by shooting someone in Arizona. Um, Because that's important for the timeline because A, Tylee doesn't have her Jeep. So what 17-year-old girl doesn't have her car? Is that college her Jeep? The shooting happened out the back window of the jeep so those jeeps that tylee had they've gone back and apparently those doors don't open like the window part doesn't come down unless you have the tire off because the tire sits so chad and lori have a random tire that they're putting into a storage unit and the same day alex has taken the tire off tylee's jeep to use in a shooting Wow, that's crazy. Okay. So that's like a civilian theory that people think this is why they have this random tire. Um, it's also said that in this footage of Lori and Chad at the storage unit, keep in mind, Tammy has not passed away yet. They are being a little bit inappropriate for a married man. Like mm-hmm. on the surveillance camera? On the surveillance. Oh, yes. oh like, Are wow. you going to say what he does? I don't know. Oh, no. He reaches right over and, and grabs her rear end with his hand. Oh, yeah. That That's pretty... It's pretty, pretty appropriate for from a, a quote unquote man. married man. Yeah, it's like it's it's almost as if okay, think about when you're in relationships. Yeah. They have just completed whatever they have put into the storage unit, and you know how you like slap pains, yeah, butt. and say hey, good job, <laughs> or let's go do this now. That's as they're walking out, he reaches over and touches her rear end. Okay, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, getting getting <laughs> freaky. So um, I'm just going to say now because this shooting is going to come up later. So let's just clear this right out of the gate. It's not on my notes. But Alex, we didn't discuss this last time. But the man that Alex was drive-by shooting is his niece's husband. Oh, my god! So gosh. not only did he kill Lori or 
I mean, shoot Lori's husband and also stun gun Lori's husband, two different husbands. Yeah. He's now drive by shooting, attempting to murder his niece's husband. And his niece is about to move to Rexburg with him to live in his house that is in the same townhome row as Lori's. So, so if that was confusing, slow it down, rewind, and listen to it. Yeah, they're building this little community yeah. is what they're doing. And if you don't fit into their ideology, you don't fit into their community. So this niece is married to this husband in Arizona, and they're living in Arizona. She gets into the prepper group because Alex is in the prepper group and Lori is in the prepper group, which is her family member. And because of this, she's going to divorce this husband and move to Rexburg. But just like Lori did with Charles, who wouldn't, also come to the prepper group alex is now going and trying to kill this husband alex is like the hitman of the group yes he just does whatever they need whatever they need yeah so on october 3rd the next day Lori um gets on amazon and gets the wedding dress in the ring like we discussed last time on with charles account with charles's account and tammy hasn't died yet so she's already planning for this wedding when tammy the wife of the guy that she's going to marry in a couple weeks isn't dead yet. Still alive. Still alive. Yeah. The next day, Lori and Alex are seen on surveillance at the storage unit, getting the tire and the car seat and putting it back into the car. So this was a me theory. I didn't read this anywhere. I'm thinking they finished the shooting. It was unsuccessful. He drove the Jeep back to Idaho. They're going to put the tire back onto the Jeep. And Tylee probably had a car seat for JJ. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think, I think that they took that car seat that she was carrying out of Tylee's Jeep. So both of these items came from Tylee's Jeep. And now that the shooting was over, they're going to put them back in. I'm kind of interested because do people not think or realize that there's cameras everywhere now? Do they not realize they're being recorded? Obviously through this whole thing, even up until a, couple weeks ago uh-huh. i don't think Lori ever thought that it was gonna i think there's a level of invincibility that is that has been i don't know cemented into their minds they really believe they are so superior and yeah. godlike that there's no reason that a camera would get them in trouble because i mean you go everywhere now there's there's camera a camera everywhere. Hey, you can't get away from it let's also give people an idea so he could drive alex could drive from arizona to Idaho in about a 16-ish hour time frame. So he could definitely do that drive-by shooting in Arizona and be back up with Lori within a 24-hour period. And and keep in mind, like you just drive-by shot someone. I don't think you're going to stick around. In a not discreet Jeep. Isn't it lime green? Yes, it's like a bright color. Wait, so did Alex actually hit him? Did he shoot him? No, No, he didn't get hit. It was felled. Okay. It was an attempted murder and he didn't hit him at all Mm-mm. okay got it this is why it's easy for the gentleman who was being shot out shot at to say hey i saw the jeep yeah it's not just a a car that a lot of cars on the road look like a black honda or i am gonna whatever. he did say that he saw the jeep and the color of the jeep and whatever and the light he said it had texas license plates which tylee's jeep did um so keep that in mind but at first when he's asked who who it was he doesn't say it's alex he says i don't know i didn't see and then weeks later he says i saw and it was alex so he does change his story i think he puts two and two together and go oh crap tylee has a jeep i don't even think he was thinking that tylee had that jeep 
And then he goes, he probably used her Jeep to shoot me and then says, oh, yeah, it was Alex. Mm -hmm. So let's do preface that he does kind of shift his story story a little bit. On October 6th, Alex goes to the storage unit by himself. On October 10th, Tylee's Venmo account sends money to Colby, her half-brothers, that says, we love you. With like, you know how on Venmo you have to put a reason. Yeah, caption or whatever. Says, we love you. I think Lori was trying to get Colby off their back. Mm-hmm. And that would be an easy way. She has uh, Tylee's cell phone. Mm-hmm. You're automatically logged in. Yeah. And so you could you could do a transaction within 15, 20 seconds. Yes. On October 16th, just six days later, Tylee's Venmo shows another payment to Colby with a heart emoji this time. And this one was actually later removed from her timeline. So unlike Venmo, you have a timeline of your history. The first one stayed. The second one was there. Someone got a screenshot of it and then it was removed. Which is weird to me that they just didn't remove the first one. What's she one. paying her brother for? I don't know. I don't know. This part was strange to me. I don't know. So, I mean, and I'm sure Colby's like, she's not talking to me, but she's sending me money, money? with a heart. Did yeah. Colby take the screenshot? Who took the screenshot? I don't know. I thought, I think that's kind of weird because too. Because there is a screenshot available for you to see of it, mm-hmm. but it's now it was, removed. I mean, I would assume it's Colby because he probably in his head was like, this what is weird. Is going what on? is going on? Yeah. So I assume it was probably him. And I think it's because Colby was, re- was reaching out to Tylee because he was suspicious at this point that something was going on. So Lori mm-hmm. was just trying probably to get him off their back. The same day, a man, an an unidentified man, goes into Lori's storage unit for six minutes. October 19th, Chad's wife, Tammy, dies, is murdered, passes away. We're not sure. On October 22nd, a man enters the storage unit for nine minutes. Again, unidentified, not Chad or Alex. Wow. On October 25th, Tylee sends a text back to one of her friends who immediately was suspicious, saying it didn't sound like her. The same day, another man accesses the storage unit for 10 minutes. The next day, 11 minutes. Don't get caught up on these storage unit like happenings that I'm explaining. I'm trying to show you guys that no sane person has six plus people visiting her storage unit for no reason this often. Seriously. There's something going on in this storage unit that that many people would have access to it day after day after day over and over again. Which is why I'm saying I think there are more people involved in this than we think. I was going to say it goes to show how many people are involved that we don't even know Mm -hmm. who they might be. Yeah. Um, October 28th, Alex and Chad move bikes and boxes into the storage unit. It takes six minutes. Colby is texting Tylee sporadically at this point and her responses are worrying him. He's telling people I think something's wrong, but nothing nothing is done. In between the time of Tammy's death and the wedding of Chad and Lori in Hawaii, both Chad and Lori were lying about her children's whereabouts and even existence sometimes. Mm -hmm. They told Chad's parents that she was an empty nester and that she didn't have any young children, that all of her children were adults and moved out. They tell other witnesses that Tylee had actually died a year before her father's Charles. Like they said, they told people Tylee was dead and that she had died three years ago. I think this goes to show back to what your mom said about them thinking they could do whatever they want. They Mm -hmm. just have story after story, not even caring if it lines up. Mm -hmm. They're just telling people random stories. I feel like we need, and maybe you were going to do this, so I'm sorry if I'm jumping somewhere, but there's going to be people who are listening to this go, how did Tammy die? So Tammy is, uh, apparently dies in her sleep and she was training for a marathon prior to this 
and and so her physical health should be pretty good and she um, I can't remember exactly how old she is she's near 50 yeah and he had said that she was feeling sick mm-hmm. before she fell asleep and then mm-hmm. they woke up that morning and she was dead he woke up and she was dead and he he told the cops she had been dead for a long time she was cold yeah so what? this is a very small area. It's actually even a little bit more north of the town home, just barely, maybe mm-hmm. 10 miles. Um, a small law enforcement. They probably have an elected coroner who is quite possibly not even trained in a lot of medical practices because that's how it happens in these small counties. And who, I mean, we don't know. I'm just going to make a safe assumption. Who probably goes to the same church as Chad on Sunday. It's very possible. That's very possible. Yeah. And and Chad at this point has not really... Ruffled feathers. Yeah, he hasn't raised suspicions. He stayed pretty clean through this. Lori's background has been much more checkered than and Chad's. Muddy, yeah. And so uh, they're going to look at it and go, oh, and, you know, natural causes, darn Which it. Which they did. They didn't even do an autopsy. Mm-hmm. They He woke up, said she died in her sleep. They said, A-OK, and buried her. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same thing that happened with Charles. He got shot and it was like, oh, yeah, he got shot. shot. Let's move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So we actually know someone who knew Chad mm-hmm. pretty closely. And when this whole thing happened and became in the public, um, my mom's radio show was obviously dis- dissecting her. this from the mm-hmm. time they went missing. So my mom has talked about this in real time as these events have unfolded. And this man that we know that was really good friends with Chad texted her because we're also good friends with him and was like, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm stunned. I'm sad. This is not the Chad that I know. I couldn't even imagine this happening. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And we've heard from more than one person who attended that funeral in Utah. So they took Tammy's body from Idaho to Utah, had the funeral there because that's where her roots were. Mm-hmm. And they attended that funeral and they said it was just off. Yeah. I had some, um, I'm not going to say details, but I had some of Chad's family members reach out to me and I kind of you know respectfully ask them you know with their permission and everything about how they felt about this whole thing and that was kind of the situation we were getting was we never expected this to this degree we're hurt we're sad but we did feel like something was off when Tammy passed away we did feel not this but it just felt felt weird. weird okay which is not you know and if you're an average person and somebody younger dies, 50 is not that old. No, yeah. You don't, you're just trying to understand the grief you're feeling. And so if you're getting that kind of prickly feeling on the back of your neck, you might excuse it as, you know, I'm just really upset about yeah. this death. It's a funeral. Did, has Tammy's family said anything about her death or anything or has it been pretty quiet? Each of the families have now relate, released statements since both Chad and Lori have been arrested. They're pretty vanilla statements. A lot of, um, I mean, you could summarize all of them as we're, we're very shocked, we're hurt. Okay. We, we would have never supported this kind of activity. And I mean, just a pretty vanilla and it's all done by lawyers too. Yeah. When Chad and Lori were missing, we're about to get to that point, but they go missing um, when cops get onto them, they literally just run away. And this is the whole, what we see on TV yes, or when I started seeing mm-hmm. it on TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. When they go missing, um, 
That's the first time I heard of it. Yes, most of us. That was the yeah. first time we heard of it was these kids have gone missing and now the parents have gone missing. That yeah. was how the story kind of broke to all of us. Um, Chad's brother actually came out and said, you know, Chad, wherever you are, please come home. Please clear this up. This is devastating. But when he released that statement, he did say this is my and my personal family's opinion. I am not speaking for my parents. Got it. So we're not quite sure. And I had someone ask about Chad's kids. Um, all of Chad's kids are adults. There's five of them. And none of them have really had any interaction in the media except for one of them did stick her tongue out at a reporter who was trying to ask her questions, which I'm not speaking on. I think it would be very frustrating and invasive to have your dad do something like this and then your whole life gets shifted well, it would be hard from both sides i mean colby there's so many people involved yeah that this media attention would be really difficult unasked mm -hmm. for yeah and devastating and so mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not and those five kids are still grieving the loss of their mother, mother. that exactly. happened unexpectedly so and I'm, the marriage of their dad to this random woman right I that mean, had to have been shocking as well yep their world has been rocked to the level that most of us will never even yeah. understand yeah so after this chad receives the life insurance from tammy yep. and gets excommunicated from his church of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and that just means that you um you can still come to church but your records get removed yeah, out you're of not church. a member not a of the member of the church mm -hmm. and he had that because he was calling himself a god which would be false um, like prophecy basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So early November, Tylee's Jeep is seized by a search warrant in Rexburg. The Jeep is registered to Charles Vallow. So police weren't asking, well, where's Tylee the owner? So like literally cops are at the house. The kids are missing and they're seizing this Jeep that was used at this point because the Gilbert police have been like, Hey, Rexburg police, this Jeep is in your possession. And it was used in an attempted murder by who we think is Alex or Lori. And, but the, because the, the Jeep is registered to Charles, no one's like, well, where's Tylee? Mm -hmm. um, because they just haven't connected the dots yet. No. Yeah. And, and if you're listening and you really didn't know a lot about this case and you live somewhere like Germany, you, it might seem so bizarre to you because it's red flag after red flag after red flag, but there's distance between these states. The law enforcement community wouldn't be talking to each other and about small. these various things. And um, again, I'm going to say when Lori created the lifestyle she did, which is to move around, go from address to address, only have friends for short periods of time, it's easier to get away with these kind of this yeah. kind of behavior. Yeah. So Gilbert and Chandler, Arizona police, those are two cities in Arizona, by the way, if you are not familiar, um, they ask a Rexburg detective to surveillance Lori for the attempted murder that the Jeep was used in. Because at this point, um, niece's husband hasn't come forward and said, oh, I think it was Alex. The only draw they have to this Jeep is Lori. Mm. And so they're like, can you please surveillance Lori? And if you're like me, you're like, how the freak were they surveillancing her and did not notice that her kids were missing? Seriously. But like mom said, I mean, no one had, had connected dots. And so don't get confused. Lori is under surveillance, but not for the kids being missing. This is for the drive-by shooting. That's a good point, though. How do you not notice, like, Lori never has her kids? Like, go never. surveillance this woman who's in custody, who has two kids in her custody, and you never once saw It's hard, kids. though. I mean, you can't put blame, no, obviously. No. Mm -hmm. But 
it's just pretty crazy. And I mean, the kids could have, I mean, Tylee's at college, quote unquote, supposedly, yeah. right? Yeah. And the little boy could be off with grandma, could be at activities. Yeah. I mean, they were lying about these kids' whereabouts already because people had asked. Yeah. Um, detectives knock on neighbors' doors in this complex, not realizing that most of the neighbors are family and prepper group people. Um, and they ask about Lori. And so obviously these, these people back Lori up, they're like, oh no, I don't think anything weird is going on. No, she's great. And they don't see any of the kids during these visits. And, and the neighbors are like, oh yeah, no, the kids are fine. Oh my gosh. Well, because this whole townhome row is almost all Lori's family. I mean, Alex and the niece live in one. Yeah. And Lori and, and well, not Chad. Well, Chad now actually at this point. He's 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 bouncing into, Yeah. Um, Lori and Chad live in one and then there's other prepper group people who live in others. So, mm-hmm. and now would be a good time to kind of explain something about Lori. She's very soft and gentle. Yes. She's kind to people. And so you might listening to these, these two episodes of about her, you might think that this woman is just the, the evil, the most evil thing that's ever existed. You can also be that. And be, have a front that's very kind and mm-hmm. giving and loving. And that's what she Soft does. spoken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. November 5th, Lori and Chad go off and get married in Hawaii. So now we are completely caught back to where we left off. I added some extra details into, because last week when we covered, I didn't cover any part of the kids. So this week now in part two, I've put in where the kids were during all of this. And now we're back caught up. So Lori and Chad, they asked Chad's friend that he had in Hawaii about renting a room um, from her, claiming that God is telling them that they need to do so. So they go to Hawaii, they get married, and then while they're in their Hawaii, they're like, maybe we should stay here and not go back to Rexburg. And so they go to Chad's friend and say, hey, God has sent us to you, (laughs) and we need to rent your room. He's telling us we need to rent your room. And she's like, "Um, no, I know you and Tammy why are you married? Tammy just died 17 days ago. And he said, no, Tammy, before Tammy died, she connected me and Lori and she told me we need to get married and that it was going to help the children. It's kind of funny because this is how they would talk to the other members is manipulate them. But and this lady was not. Yeah. This it. lady was like, you're insane. I don't mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. Okay. So wait, what's the timeline on this right now? What month are we in? We're in November. Okay. So we're still November, early November, moving mm-hmm. to Hawaii. So they're in, they just got married in Hawaii and they're still in Hawaii. Okay. Got it. One of the things that always bothered me about them running off to Hawaii, there's multiple factors, but one thing that really sticks me is that if you're claiming to all of these people that the reason you're a god and a goddess is because you're going to lead 144,000 people in Rexburg to the second coming of Christ, why are you across an ocean in Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. They so when this lady says F no, you're not staying yeah. at my house. <laughs> they also send an email to a realtor in Kauai 3 days after the marriage. They're like, "Well, we kind of want a house here." And they tell the realtor that they had no kids and it was just two adults. So the kids aren't with them Mm -hmm. and they don't even claim that they have kids. So even if they are like the kids are back home in Rexburg because they just eloped in Hawaii, they're not planning on going home and picking up the kids and moving them to Hawaii to live with them. No, they're staying there. So mid-November, Lori and Chad return home from Rexburg, having no luck finding housing in Hawaii. They're like, okay, yeah, let's just go home to Rexburg. Do you know why? Like, could they not afford it? Like, I'm what? not sure. I don't know if they felt like they were called back to Rexburg. 
or, you know, stuff was getting out of Maybe hands. they felt like they needed to tie up some loose, loose ends. ends. I'm yeah. not sure. They originally wanted to stay there, but then they end up coming back. But it's not, it's short-lived. They do go back. I mean, there's got to be other people involved, right? I mean, the whole storage unit, yes. people walking in. So it's not just Lori and Chad. So speaking of the storage unit, on November 24th, Lori and an unidentified man visit her storage unit for the very last time. They leave a box of Tylee and JJ's stuff as well of all as well as all of their clothing. It takes four minutes, the whole trip. On November 25th, my birthday, Charles' family <laughs> hacks into his email and find an address to where his Amazon packages are being sent to Lori in Idaho, Rexburg, and they call Gilbert, Arizona police and they because they finally know where JJ's staying. Because keep in mind, Lori isn't talking to them. So they know, okay, we think now that she's moved to Idaho because they've, you know, heard through the grapevine, Colby's been talking to Tylee, but they don't know the address. And so they can't just show up there and be like, where's JJ? Oh, you know? so they had no idea that no. she was even in Idaho? I mean, they figured out through the grapevine, but Lori never told them. She just took wow. their grandchildren and left. And I'm sure they're seeing the Amazon charges on his financial paperwork because they're going to be tying up those loose ends. Yeah, so they hack, they hack into his email and they find the Amazon thing and yeah. they're like, the address. We found the address. And so they call Gilbert police who contact the Rexburg police and ask them to go do a welfare check on JJ. Keep in mind, Tylee was not included originally in this welfare check, which kind of makes me sad. But people, That's not their blood relative. It's not their blood relative and at this point after Charles's death, Tylee didn't Tylee went along with it. Yeah. And so to Charles's family, it's like, well, we think Tylee's in cahoots with Lori. Okay, got it. It's it's kind of funny because it goes to show how many small little things there are that it's hard to get away. You can't get away with this stuff. No. They're like the Amazon account. There's things you would never, ever think of. Oh, yeah. So on November 26th, life is about to come crashing down on Lori fast. This The 26th is when all of us are now in the, the civilian, the public are going to be included on this story. I mean, how long did she really think she was going to get away with it? Oh, I think at this point, I'm going to tell you when, when this happens here, I think she still thinks she's getting away with it. I do too, but I don't, I mean, did she really truly believe that no one in these kids' life would ever try hard enough to find them? Like, I'm surprised yeah. that it took this long. Um, that no one would care enough to go to the extreme of hacking into their son's, their dead son's email, finding the address of where the Amazon packages are being delivered, calling the Gilbert police, who then call the Idaho police, who go do a welfare check. And this is the first time that authorities are going to be tuned into the fact that these kids are missing. So at this point, November 26th, we're all in Idaho. Because I remember you and I were yeah, visiting your parents you were in Idaho for Thanksgiving. Falls. And this is the first time I, I probably saw it on TV was around yeah. this time. Well, or we heard about it. Yeah. Like, hey, there's like these missing kids in Rexburg. Because like, we're, to do we're all together in yeah. Idaho. Um, so the police show up to do the welfare check. And there's a 14-page affidavit of probable cause that was released later into this investigation that gives more details about this first encounter about the whereabouts of the kids of that day. Um, they go around to all the neighbors first and they run into Alex and they run into Chad before they even find Lori. This is what the information that was released in the affidavit about this visit. When they talked to Chad that day, he acted like he didn't really know Lori and he said he didn't even know her phone number. They go up, they're like, yeah, we're looking for Lori Vallow. And he's like, Lori Vallow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're like, well, do you know where she lives? And he's like, no, 
even though he's living in the same apartment with he's her. He's married to her. He's married to her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't have her phone number. The brother Alex told them that JJ was with grandma, um, which isn't true because she's the one who called the Gilbert police in the first place asking for this whole thing to take place. Al- um, Alex also led them on a goose chase saying that Lori might be in this apartment in the row of the preppers townhomes. Um, the apartment that, that he told them she was in was vacant uh, police found her later in a different apartment in the row. Chad tried to leave while detectives were at the complex, the complex, but they stopped him. So he like talks to him and then he tries to go get in his car and they're like, whoa, 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 please don't leave. Like we're not done talking to everyone. Um, Chad told them that the last time he saw JJ was in the vacant apartment in October. So when they talk to Lori, they finally find Lori and Lori says, oh no, no, JJ's staying with a family friend back in Arizona. So Alex said he was with grandma and then Lori goes, no, no, no. He's with a family friend in Arizona. <laughs> and so when they try to call this family friend who was part of the pepper, the prepper group. So this family friend in Arizona is part of this whole group. Yeah. Um, they try to call her in front of Lori, but she doesn't answer. And Lori's like, oh, don't worry about it. She told me that she was taking JJ to the movie theater to see Frozen 2. So they're probably just in the movie theater. So many stories. And so they left and they request, you know, they tell her, tell the family friend that she needs to call us when she gets out of the movie. And Lori's like, okay. The family friend doesn't ever call him. Yeah. And so Rexburg PD call Gilbert back and tell them, you know, we went to her house. He's not there, but he says he's with a family friend. And so the Gilbert police go to the family friend's house and they... And she's not there. And so they eventually like reach her by phone and she tells them that JJ hasn't, isn't with her and hasn't been with her for several months. And so all of this back and forth, um, you know, they, them saying, going home and going, calling the Gilbert police and going, Hey, get a hold of this girl. And the Gilbert police finally getting a hold of her. And then her calling back and saying, no, actually he hasn't been with me. Gives Lori and Chad time to devise a plan and execute. So after the first visit, like they have days where there's back and forth of the cops trying to pinpoint everyone's stories because everyone's they have to call the grandma that alex said that that jj was with they have to call the family friend the family friend doesn't answer and all of this gives chad and Lori time to get out they gotta they gotta be feeling some sort of pressure at this point you would think oh they run pretty quick yeah Yeah. they don't pack up everything in the uh townhome that they're um renting they take what they need and they also obviously leave the storage unit with items in it. Yeah. Yeah. The family friend actually waited 10 days before she called Rexburg PD and said that Lori and Chad had asked her to tell them that she had JJ. So the family friend 10 days later calls Rexburg and goes, actually, Lori and Chad called me after you came to their townhome and told me to tell you that I had JJ, but I don't. Oh my gosh. So on November 27th, Rexburg PD executes it executes a search warrant for Lori Vallow's townhome um, because JJ's obviously missing. Yeah. And when they arrive, they find that Lori and Chad's home was vacant. Witnesses say that the kids weren't with them when they left. So they also search Alex's apartment in the complex. They search her storage unit where they find all of the kids' belongings. Um, And the same day they do this, Alex picks up and moves to Arizona. So they, now Chad, Lori, and Alex have all vacated the townhome. They cleared their stuff out fast. <laughs> and they That's cleared out crazy. of a place where they were called by God to go to. Yes. Yeah. And so now cops are like, crap. This kid has been, these kids, because now Tylee is also missing. And they're like, crap, these kids have been missing for months. 
and we, no one has noticed. Everything just hit the fan. And they're like months. You hear if a kid is missing for longer than 48 hours, every single hour, the chance of them mm-hmm. dying instead yep. of living goes up. Yep. And these kids have been missing for months. And they're like, oh, crap. It's also kind of hard because you had two police departments that were 15 hours away from each other trying mm-hmm. to communicate. Yeah. It really did make the case Horror. a lot more it's difficult. It's not just 15 hours away from each other, too. It's different jurisdictions because you're out of state. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Su- mm-hmm. super difficult. So detectives visit Colby. They ask him if he knows where the kids are. Um, he's like, no. He calls Lori after when they leave, and she tells him, oh, don't worry, Colby. I'm taking care of it. That's what she says when he's like, mom, where's Tylee and JJ? Wow, so he's getting suspicious. Yeah, and she then asks him, Colby, what did they ask you? Which is just sign of guilt, number mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So the same day, the Rexburg police asked the FBI to get involved in the disappearance of Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow. They're like, crap, these kids have been missing for months. Like, we need help. Thanksgiving weekend, Chad goes to California for the weekend and goes to Knott's Berry Farm, and Lori doesn't go with him. And he goes with his family for Thanksgiving. Okay. On November 29th, Alex gets married in Vegas, and the pastor said it lasted eight minutes, the ceremony. The guard was their witness, like the guard of the of the church that they were at. And it seemed like a business tra- transaction. And Alex took her last name. So Alex, brother Alex, gets married randomly in Just, Vegas. We, do we even know the girl? Do we know any no. information? Like we know her, but she's not. She had, doesn't seem to be a major player up till this point. Okay. So I'm not sure the connection that Alex has to her. And it does, you're going to find out when Alex does die, it does seem very business-like. Is there a possibility that she was one of the unidentified people that went to the storage unit? I think it was just men. Yeah, it was only men. Okay, so no. Okay. Um, The niece that was living with Alex, who he went and shot her husband, and then they got divorced and she moved to Rexburg or whatever, um, she also gets remarried in Vegas, and Alex is their witness. So she this just is- divorced her husband. It's basically Lori's story. Yeah. She just divorced her husband or is in the process. Alex tries to shoot him and fails. They move to Rexburg together, niece and Alex, and then Alex goes to Vegas and gets married, and Niece goes to Vegas and gets married to someone in the prepper group. Both of them in the prepper group. They, and they did ha- the typical prepper group thing. And they hadn't known either of the spouses. Alex didn't know his wife, and she didn't know her husband, but a matter of weeks, like just a couple of weeks. This is crazy. I can't believe this stuff actually happens. So early December, and this is all while now... Chad and Lori are missing. Uh-huh. I mean, I know that Alex and everyone and I knows think where they, they know. are. Yeah, they know but, where. But they're missing to police. They basically ran away from the cops. The cops came and said, where are your kids? And they said, oh, they're here. And then ran away. So when the cops came back, now what are you going to do? They're missing. Yeah. Um, early December, the niece's new husband that she just got married to in Vegas texts his ex-wife and says that Alex, her brother, uh, Lori's brother, but... Um, his wife's uncle yeah. had attempted to kill her ex-husband, but had felt. So he marries this woman, this niece. And then the niece is like, Oh, by the way, Alex tried to kill my ex-husband. What in the world and so is then going he on? Freaks out and he texts his ex-wife and is like, Holy crap. I don't know what I just got myself into, but I don't think it's good. Like they're in trouble. And also, um, Alex's, um, sister is also running from the cops right now because her kids are missing. To be honest, I'm actually surprised that, they stayed so calm. Like, I know. I feel like things would be a lot more crazy than they are. The family friend from Arizona now tells people that she thinks the kids are dead. 
So she's part of the prepper group and she was supposed to have JJ like in cover for them. She says that earlier that year they were talking at her house about how annoying it was that Tammy, Chad's wife, hadn't died yet. And Chad said, well, Lori, it's not that easy to get someone's spirit out of their body. Mm -hmm. So Tammy was planned. And I think this is behavior you see over and over again in this group throughout this story. You find people that are 100% invested. And that is this, as the story starts to unfold, facts get out there, their conscience gets better of them. And they're like, I can't support this kind of stuff. Yeah, I can't be part of this. The, the uh, close friend in Arizona is not the only person that... I've heard this kind of story. That kind of turns. I've been told wow. by a couple of different people in East Idaho of people who were 100% in, had been promised that they were these very important people in previous lives. And Chad had told them of their royalty and how important they were going to be to the gathering of um, the 144,000. And then as things started to unfold, they went, oh my goodness. I'm in deep and I'm not in a good place. And they've pulled themselves out of the group. If you um, are LDS, um, if you're not, I'll explain. So um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has a, a book of Mormon, which is basically an addition to the Bible for them. It's another book of scripture. And this prepper group told their members that all of them were important people from the book of mormon so like prophets from the book of mormon oh really so like in the bible like let's name some biblical people like, like noah or moses, moses. Yeah. Noah. so in the book of mormon there's people just like that named nephi lehi like moroni these, yeah and these prepper people thought that they were them in, in previous in, like that they were Got on it. earth as lehi and nephi and moroni and are now coming back to gather everyone okay that's interesting so, um, on December 1st, 2019, Lori and Chad fly from LA to Kauai. So I think they had been camping out in LA, hiding from the police. And now on December 1st, there's plane tickets and they're going to Kauai. Okay. Um, hold on. Let's keep in mind, they've got 400 and it's somewhere near 70,000. Oh, is that what it is? I think it's 30. There's over $400,000 in life insurance money that Chad Daybell has cashed in on his wife who's been gone now for a month. So he, he's got cash. They have a lot of cash. The, okay. the niece's new husband, she married in Vegas. Mom's call, uh, his mom calls him and tells him, you know, hey, I think your new wife is in a cult and that Chad is the cult leader and he's missing right now because his new wife's kids are missing. And um, her uncle shot like a man and you need to get out. Oh my gosh. Like she, His mom is like, hey, you're in a cult. Maybe she should have been the detective. Yeah. We would have figured this out sooner. So early December, FBI is digging. They're talking to everyone in Arizona all the way to Idaho, everyone involved. Yeah, I do know because we did some interviews on my radio show. All of the agencies are now currently holding a morning meeting. This is how hard they're working on it. So you've got you've got FBI. Utah because she uh, Tammy Daybell uh -huh. was buried there. You've got Arizona because of the connection with the with the death of Charles, Charles and, and the shooting. shooting. You've got Idaho with um, where they live and where the last place and two that, counties in Idaho and two counties in Idaho. Yeah. And then we're going to add on where Chad and Lori are, which is Hawaii, Hawaii. when they figure it out. And the FBI. So all all of these people every morning are calling in. What'd you guys find out yesterday? Okay, let's put two and two together. Okay, now let's move on and do today's work. Mm -hmm. um, while um, 
all of this is going on, the triangle between the niece, Alex trying to kill her ex-husband and the new husband finding out. And, you know, now all the cops know this is going on as well. So there's basically two separate investigations, the missing kids, Tammy Daybell's death, Charles's death, and also this drive-by shooting. So there's four investigations. There's, there's four <laughs> investigations going on within this one family, okay. this one prepper group. December 10th, Lori and Chad move into their condo in Princeville, Hawaii. Keep in mind, this condo was right across the street from where Lori and Charles had lived when they lived there. So Chad and Lori move into a condo in Hawaii running from the cops. No one knows that they're there except us now. And it's right across the street from where her and Charles lived when they lived in Hawaii. Oh my gosh. This girl just has no remorse of any kind. At this point in the story, this case is getting national attention. Now we've heard about it. Everyone is looking for the kids. There are searches going on in Rexburg. Chad and Lori are missing and no one knows that they are in Hawaii. December 11th, Chad's deceased wife, Tammy's remains are exhumed and an autopsy is um, conducted. On December 12th, 13 days after getting married in Vegas, Alex Cox dies of suspicious causes in Gilbert, Arizona. His new wife's adult son finds him on the bathroom floor. He didn't even know Alex's last name or that his mom had married him two weeks prior. No way. He refers to him in the 911 call as, I think it's my My mom's mom's boyfriend. boyfriend. So he he really had just had no idea. Mm -mm. No idea. And he's just dead. And like, no one knows why. And keep in mind, there's probably 10 hits out on Alex. Like you've got Charles's family. You've got the drive-by shooting family. You've got Tammy's family. Who, you've got who knows who whoever else. he served in prison with when he stun gunned uh, Lori's like husband, you know? So, I mean, Alex is in a lot of crap. And so yeah. we don't really know who could have, who the main suspect who could is. have perpetrated something against him. Yeah. But. They don't, they don't call it a crime either. No, no one really looks into it. Detectives state that uh, when they're talking about it, they don't even really investigate it. They go, we were actually just looking into Alex for the death of Charles and the attempted shooting of Nisa's ex-husband using Tylee's Jeep. And we just never really got to talk to him or charge him. And that's the end of his investigation. They even were, even right now to this day? Well, they do an autopsy on him. Uh-huh. They say that he dies of natural causes because he has a pulmonary emboli. And then they cremate him. So we can't exhume any body. So it's just done. We don't even know if Chad and Lori had someone take care of him because he knew too much. We think of all the random people again that went to the storage unit. We don't know. So on the 18th and 19th, Chad's parents are interviewed and his house is searched for evidence of JJ. Since withdrawing JJ from school, Lori has sporadically logged into his accounts on his school app. We don't know why and what she was gaining by doing this. Maybe it was her way of mourning or trying to keep control of the situation. But whatever reason, after JJ has gone missing and even while she's in Hawaii, she's logging into uh, to his school app. Like That seems so strange. Every couple days. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. know why. On December 21st, Rexburg PD announces that Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell are persons of interest in the disappearance of Tylee and JJ, which was a big step for us because everyone who was following this murder was like, why isn't anything being done? And it was this weird loophole mm-hmm. of like, they don't. She says her kids are okay. She yeah. says they're somewhere fine. We don't they really had know a, where they are. They had had a lawyer at this point release a statement saying the kids are fine. All will work out. And at that point, parents have that right to keep their kids yeah. in a place where no one needs to know. So yeah. finally, when police say, okay, they're persons of interest in the disappearance, 
like stating these kids are missing, it was like a big relief for a lot of us. Members of the prepper group tell police that they've seen visions and that the kids are safe and comfortable and all is well. People at this point in time are thinking that maybe the kids are being held in underground bunkers that belong to the prepper group or that they're in Hawaii with Chad and Lori or some are thinking worse that the kids are have met harm, you know, foul play and yeah. are in trouble. Um, like I remember this point in time when we were all talking about this and mom, you saying people think that they're in the bunkers and I was like, they're not in the bunkers. Yeah. I mean, like they're are, in trouble. I think, I think that was people's way of really hoping that death wasn't the was end okay. of this. Yeah. People were arguing on social media about it. I remember watching one of your radio shows one morning where you guys were talking about this and people were writing in and calling into you guys saying that the government had no right to demand Lori provide her kids and show that they are safe and that that was an invasion of privacy and let it go. And until there's bodies, we shouldn't even be investigating this. And mm-hmm. that just creates a really bad loophole for people because mm-hmm. as long as the body doesn't show up, parents can do whatever they want yeah. to their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Rexburg police release that they know that the kids aren't in Hawaii and that Lori knows where they are and what happened to them. Police release that they searched Tammy and Chad's house and collected 43 items. I think that they're doing all this because they, number one, don't know where Chad and Lori are, but number two, think that they're probably watching the news Mm -hmm. on the investigation. So they start saying, oh, we've searched their house. We've searched this. We collected 43 items of evidence. They're trying to freak Chad and Lori out. Totally. Um, Tylee and JJ's grandparents offer a $20,000 reward for info leading to the discovery. Chad's younger brother does the interview, urging Chad to come forward and all of that. On January 25th, 2020, so we are in this year. Two months. Two months. Two months since the big break in the case, which what you said, it's my birthday. Yes. <laughs> Two months. Um, Literally just basically or literally just yesterday, basically it feels like to me, January, 2020, um, Chad and Lori are reported to be in Hawaii and Kauai serves them a search warrant for their rented car. So they can't just go and arrest them. So everyone's like, Oh my gosh, breaking news. Chad and Lori are found in Hawaii two months after this whole situation. And the only thing they can do is search their car. Well, cause I remember seeing on the news them in a parking lot and yes. then the cops come up. So, is this this is this the point? Yes. This uh-huh. Okay, okay. So inside the car, they find birth certificates for Tylee and JJ, Tylee's financial transaction card, JJ's iPad, another iPad that had JJ's Apple ID logged into it, JJ's school registration receipts, and Lori at this point had logged in five times from that iPod onto JJ's school app after withdrawing him, and they were all still using Tylee's financial card. Why would they keep all this stuff? Why... I don't, know. I, I don't understand why maybe they would to, keep all maybe this. to make a trail well and yeah. this is the same this is the same question i have about later on when we find the kids literally that's where you chose that's mm-hmm. where you chose you had eight months or i don't even know how many months it was to hide this crime better and i'm happy that's where they chose obviously yeah but i'm like come on I like think you some really big thought missteps, you were on yeah. They really thought that they were never that they were they were never going to get caught. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that that would ever catch them. Well, and I think the video that the Garrett's referencing of them in Hawaii, it, if you just watch that and you just go off your gut reaction of watching Lori and Chad in Hawaii, they are so smug. Oh yeah. yeah. I so I'm just about there. So um, 
the same day that they do the search warrant, Rexburg serves Lori with that court order that she that says she needs to pr- finally produce Tylee and JJ to Idaho Department of Health and Welfare by January 30th. So this was oh. finally she was getting held accountable. Like this was the win that all of us were needing was finally there's a court order against her saying you have to produce your kids by January 30th. And it's January 26th. At this point? Yes. On the 26th, Kauai serves a search warrant for their condo that they were living in, and there's no signs of children at the so condo. So she has four days to get back to Idaho to show, show the kids. Show the kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is when the news reporters from East Idaho had flown out to Hawaii to confront Lori and Chad. So this is the big thing, the big video you guys are all talking about. Um, they fly out. East Idaho news reporters fly out. And they finally find Chad and Lori in Hawaii and they walk up to him. That's crazy. Chad and Lori obviously don't want to be filmed, but they're just walking hand in hand in their, you know, they're going to the beach. They're They're going to, they're in casual clothing. mm -hmm. Like there are search parties searching for their kids in Idaho. And these guys are casually walking to the beach. They were just tourists walking to the beach is what it looked like. Just living the grand life. And I think they were really trying to ignore the problem like it would go away like if we ignore this and don't pay attention to it then it's fine i think so too the reporter says you know what are you doing here like where are your kids and they just ignore him they just keep walking basically like you know those paparazzi you know that you yeah he's just peppering her with questions he's just asking 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 and she's not answering and then finally he says Lori, there are people searching for your kids in idaho and you don't care and she answers back, that's great, and keeps walking. That's all she says. Like, mm-hmm. so smug. I don't care that there's people searching for my kids. Leave me alone. I think he also references that people are praying. Yes. I think in one of the questions, he says, people are praying for your kids. And when she finally speaks, she says, that's great. And she's supposed to be a god. And that these are her crazy. children. Yeah. So Lori and Chad actually clear their stuff out from the condo that they're living in on the 29th of January. Next day, she needs to be in Idaho and they move to a resort in Hawaii. They don't drop their lease. They just move to a resort that's going to have all-inclusive food. I guess I'm kind of confused because if they were really trying to run, why haven't they left the country? Uh, why are they in Hawaii? We ask these questions. We ask these questions that's what in I'm real saying. time. If this mm-hmm. crime, like it's not normal. People don't do this when they commit a crime. Yeah. And they had the, the money and means. Yeah. They could have been could out have been of the United Bali. States. Yeah, he probably had half a million dollars in the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so on the 30th, Lori obviously defies the court and does not produce the kids in Idaho. And she also hires an attorney the same day in Hawaii. And I remember this happening when she didn't produce. And I was like, why aren't they arresting her? Like she's mm-hmm. in contempt of court. She is, but the two the two states have to work, work together. together. Mm-hmm. So, and I was so frustrated. I have a question and I'm curious if other people think about this so for example Lori's attorney and chad's attorney i guess how does that whole process work because does he know the kids are actually dead do they tell him everything do they lie to the attorney so is that, it just always attorney client privilege even if they know that yeah hey I, yeah i do know they killed them but this is this is my I believe job once you're on retainer you're you, done. You, so anything that's said to you you cannot share there's been interviews of like really famous attorneys who have gotten really guilty people off uh-huh. of the kids right like not the attorney because attorney client client privilege but like the kids like how do you feel about your your dad 
defending someone who was so obviously guilty, OJ Simpson, da 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 da. And they're like, they just, it's a job. A yeah. job's job. This is how you, you provide for your family and you put it in its box and you don't think about it. You don't think about how they're guilty. You don't think about what they've done. All you think about is it's my job to get this person off. That would be hard. I mean, because I don't think I could put blame on the attorneys, but at the same time, like, come on, dude. <laughs> it would just be really hard, you know? Yeah. So the next day she logs on to JJ's app again. I, I just, I keep telling you this because I just think it's weird. Like if you, if you got rid of your kid, why do you care so much? Is there something on there? Like, no, there's absolutely nothing on there that could help her at all. So is she literally going into the app or just opening the iPad? It would be like you logging in to your college app to check your grades, check your grades. That's what she's doing. She's logging into his school me. identification app, basically. Oh, my god! That's gosh. like, oh, JJ went here from this year to this year, and this is the teacher he had. That's all she's seeing. Okay. Um, beginning of February, Lori gets her... They're still in Hawaii. Lori gets her records from her church in Idaho transferred to Hawaii, and they start going back to church that he's excommunicated from. Okay. Why? Like, know. you are in deep crap like the this case is closing in on you the cops are closing in on you and you're going to transfer your rec like i guess that that might not mean someone something to someone but to someone who doesn't go to church but when you transfer your records from a church to a church it's like we're establishing ourselves we're staying here we're laying down new roots in this place place. i think they're just trying to form some sort of um, stability stability and like, nor- like just normalize this things is just again. crazy to me did she really think her life was just gonna go on and she was gonna be okay and this wasn't gonna like she is already in like contempt of court she was already asked to produce her kids like this is obviously going somewhere the whole entire nation is talking about this case yeah i think this is just more evidence to show how they really believed they were untouchable yeah so Lori and chad start going to church in hawaii which is also funny because he got excommunicated because his beliefs were differing so far from the church. Uh-huh. And now they're going back to the same church instead of just going back to Rexburg and going to their church that they've made, basically. Mm-hmm. And again, they're in Hawaii instead of a different country. Yeah. So after accessing the app again, she accesses it again. The school realizes and removes her from being able to access it. They're Because like, the school knows now what's going on. It's mm-hmm. public information. Um, on February 4th, the storage unit footage is released to the public and that leg video goes so, viral. Leg video? We're, we're getting so long here, but let me kind of summarize this. The storage unit video is off of security camera, so it's not incredibly clean video. It's a little blurry. Uh, Chad is carrying a very heavy tote-like item, like a big plastic tote. And something is hanging out of the tote it looks, looks like, like a leg. leg. It has a foot. Like a human leg. A yes. human leg. It oh could be something gosh. else. You cannot clear it up enough to see. But in hindsight, as you look at the video now, a lot of people in East Idaho jumped to the conclusion that it was a leg. And and at this time, keep in mind, the kids are missing, but this video goes public and everyone's like, <gasps> mm-hmm. okay, wait, so. I think caught law enforcement completely believes it's not a leg. Yes. They, uh, they totally, but this fires up the base. And also like, okay. I remember some, my mom saying like, did you see the video of, at the storage unit? It looks like a leg. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I watched it and I was like, oh, it looks like a leg. Which is the reaction everyone was having when the like video was released. Like Have they proven that it's not a leg? Uh, they have, 
law enforcement has led people to believe that that's not what they believe it is. Okay. So on the 10th, law enforcement reports that they find Tylee's cell phone in with Lori in Hawaii. On the 18th, law enforcement gets a search warrant for the storage unit and retrieve all of the items. The Rexburg attorney submits a complaint against Lori alleging her five crimes. So now it's at this point where in Rexburg, they're like, we are going to arrest her for these five crimes. Two felony counts of destruction and non-support of dependent children, resisting or obstructing officers running to Hawaii, criminal solicitation to commit a crime and contempt of court. Um, none murder because there's no bodies. Okay. Uh, everyone following this case up to this point were so annoyed. It was so obvious that the kids were in the, you know, in the least bit not being taken care of properly, but most likely in danger or hurt and nothing could be done. It was mm -hmm. the worst loophole ever. On February 20th, Lori Vallow Daybell is arrested in Kauai and held on $5 million bond. Once in custody, it was back and forth, attorney asking for things, which then would create a new hearing date, so on and so forth. It was basically back and forth, nothing getting done, frustrating but inevitable when this is our justice system. Yeah. On the 24th, Chad cancels their lease for their condo in Kauai, and on the 29th, he returns to Rexburg. On March 5th, Lori Vallow-Daybell is extradited to Idaho. There's footage of her getting off of the private plane in handcuffs. How, sorry to interrupt, how were they not exhausted like just absolutely exhausted. They've been through. I don't know. Hawaii. Just all, all, the timeline you're naming is it's every crazy. other day. Oh, yeah. There's something insane happening. Mm -hmm. um, on the 6th, Lori's bond is reduced in Rexburg. So I say let's send her back to the Hawaii judge who refused twice to reduce her bond because she came back to Rexburg in the same day. The freaking judge was like, yeah, let's <laughs> reduce it. Um, it's released at the hearing that bond reducing hearing that Lori continued to collect social security benefits for both her kids after she left Idaho without them. How is that possible? At the oh, it's very possible. I, I had a mother who passed away the very week of Peyton's birthday and she, her um, $1,200 stimulus check just dropped, dropped into her account. Oh, I have really? to return $1,200 to the government because it, ha it hasn't caught up with social security yet that she's dead and they went off the IRS records and they gave my, my mother who was now dead $1,200. I didn't realize that there was that big of a lag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at this point in this story, we're in March. COVID-19 pandemic is in full swing and still is right now in the United States uh -huh. as well as everywhere. And so a lot of this case has now gone on halt and lost attention which just sucks for Tylee and JJ. Before COVID, this was all everyone was talking about on the Western side of the United States. And then COVID happened. Well, that's a good point. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So there was a lot of court crap going on back and forth, rescheduling hearings and all of that, all virtual. Um, on March 13th, there was a telephonic hearing where the judge recused himself, the judge who reduced her bell, her um, recused himself from the case without reason and both of Lori's attorneys also withdrew themselves from the case as well so kind of what you were talking uh, about okay maybe, yeah. maybe we don't know they we don't figured know. out the truth and yeah. and it's a very small town it, I don't know how to explain that to people who don't live here because if they were to look it up they would see that the Brigham Young University Idaho is a large university mm -hmm. and the city is very small if you live there you most likely know everyone else yeah. who lives there that's probably exactly what happened. That's mm -hmm. a good point. 
So uh, that's why I was kind of happy when you asked yeah. that question because I was like, you're going to be surprised. Because, I mean, maybe at some point morals come back into the story and you go, I can't do this. Especially because whoever's defending her is probably getting a lot of heat from the community because oh, everyone totally. hates Lorraine Chad in Idaho. And like mm-hmm. your mom said, it's a small town, so yeah. they probably know who it is. Yeah. And, and fast forward, both of their lawyers at this point are not from East Idaho. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. So mm-hmm. on the 24th, Chandler, Arizona um, Police Department tells Fox 10 that they are planning on indicting Lori for the involvement and Charles Vallow's death by the hands of her now deceased brother, Alex. So she's going through all of this in Idaho and then Chandler, Arizona um, on the t- on March 24th comes out and says, by the way, we're also charging you for Charles' death. Oh my so gosh. So they're just piling on. Yeah. On the 30th, their apartments in Rexburg, the townhome run, um, goes back up for rent, which just, mm-hmm. who moved in? Yeah. <laughs> somebody who has no idea what's going on somebody yeah. who has no idea they're from out of state they're yeah. coming there to attend school and, and they have no idea that they're living in Lori and chad's apartment mm-hmm. oh, so freaky. on april 10th 2020 idaho attorney general office announced that they will be investigating chad and Lori for the death of chad's wife tammy so now not only does Lori have charles death she also has tammy's death and they also have the kids missing on their plate um on april 17th um they have postponed Lori Vallow Daybell's request to lower bond again for the third time due to coronavirus. The court side of this case is completely on halt, which might be good for her because um, the world is ending July 22nd in her life. So I don't even know why she cares at this point mm-hmm. what's going on. On May 25th, it was J.J. Vallow's birthday. He would have been eight years old. Hey, my birthday is the 26th. Yeah. Hmm. On May 26th, Tylee and JJ are still missing. Uh Um, On June 9th, Rexburg PD searched Chad Daybell's property he owned and lived at with Tammy. So this is his and Tammy's house, not their apartment. That's about 10 minutes north of the townhome. Yes. They find two sets of human remains, and this is breaking news. Chad Daybell is arrested and charged with destruction of concealment of evidence. Keep in mind... Not murder because we think they're holding out Lori for that. Um, During his first bond hearing on June 10th for these human remains, it's revealed that the remains were children remains and that one of the bodies was discarded in a completely horrific way. This is crazy. I also want to say it's pretty awesome that they can determine that those are child remains, Mm -hmm. who they are, because I don't know, 50 years ago, I don't know however long, I don't know much about all this, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, right? Yeah. So that's pretty so cool. So on June 13th, 2020, which was what? Just a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago, ago. Two weeks ago. The human remains found on Chad and Daybell's property were confirmed to be Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow. Oh, man. So these Little kids- side note for people listening somewhere else. Um, the When the um, FBI was searching the property and they did the aerial footage and you could see that they had put down the tarps and that they were digging and everything. That evening, the mayor of Rexburg gave an interview to a Salt Lake City, Utah station. And in it, he implies that they already know it's the two kids. Yes. I think, I mean, if you find... Uh, a small body mm-hmm. i mean it's aware you're aware it's not an adult mm-hmm. and um i remember when that foot like the breaking news that day they searched chad's there were human remains found on chad Davell's property yeah. i was like texting my friends like oh my gosh did you see that and i'm like pulling up the footage and i'm like there's two tents that means there's two bodies there's two sets of remains mm-hmm. like yeah. we're just drawing conclusion after conclusion like it has to be them it has to be them 
And this is what I'm talking about, how they had months and they buried the kids on his property. And again, I, there are lots of places in Idaho to hide a body. Yeah. yeah. It is very mountainous in certain areas. There's a whole desert that has um, this black volcanic rock I mean, <laughs> that don't you could get, have taken them don't to. Don't get us wrong. We are all very happy that, that the kids are found and that's where they were buried and that... I mean, I'm not happy that what no, happened to the kids. It's to our I, benefit I, that it was yes, there. I'm grateful that the kids are found and that these families can finally have closure and the kids can be properly buried. And but like, come, it just go. I'm going yeah. to show you that these people thought they were invincible. Oh, 100 percent. It also has always bothered me since we that it was shown that the bodies were on that property. Chad didn't care about his children either. Because his son was living on and off in that home with two dead bodies in the backyard. Yeah. And tell them about the tape thing that you found out before okay. we found out it was the case. So I have lots of people who talk to me about this all the time. Lots of people. So let's talk about the remains. Uh, Tylee's remains were um, found dismembered and burned. So what that means is they had cut her up and burned her. Which is um, why they said one of them was that's horrible. horrific. Horrific. Yeah, that's horrible. Which is a, an extra charge. If you do that to a dead body, you it's an extra charge mm-hmm. on top of just murder. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh. And, and then they haven't charged him with murder yet, but that charge will be added mm-hmm. to that. Okay. Second thing is JJ's body was wrapped in plastic, and then that plastic was secured with duct tape. Well, I've been told that the Brecksburg Police Department or the FBI, I don't know who has control of this object yet, but that there has been um, duct tape seized from the townhome. And I don't know if it was Alex's townhome or if it was Lori's. So what happened was this dropped. We didn't know it was the kids yet. And mom said, came to me and said, someone just told me that they went and seized duct tape from this townhome today which means that there was probably duct tape on one of the human remains. Come to find out, it was JJ's. Oh, this is horrible. That's just so sad. Which was, I mean, just all of this dropping, and it was just a little bit more close to home for us because we were finding out information like that that wasn't being yeah. released. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they went and found duct tape at the townhome today. No one's knowing that. Well, it was in the stuff that they had already gathered from the townhome. Yes. It wasn't still yeah. the townhome. Yes, it was in the but, stuff that they had gathered from the townhome. But home. they went back and picked it up and were like, mm-hmm. look, well, this could possibly be, we're going to match up the lines, CSI. And maybe it won't happen. Yeah, maybe, maybe they it won't. won't be the same, but we yeah. know that they collected that. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. The timeline from January till now has been one of the craziest stories you've ever explained. Like I said, November 26th, when it came to, when it was solidified that these kids were missing, um, Lori's life completely 180. It was insane yeah. and deserving. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, 100%, but, mm-hmm. but it's just crazy. So, her and Chad are not in the same jail. They are in two different county jails. Um, so, they have no connection to each other at this point. I was speaking to someone over the weekend after they had talked to us about the first episode of the podcast. And I asked them, it was a person who has worked at the jail that. Chad is located in. And I said, you know, I listen to a lot of true crime. So does Peyton. In some areas, the county jail is really nice. And you do not want to go to the state prison. You would rather stay in the county jail. Mm -hmm. In other areas, the county jail is horrific. And you want to get out of there because the state pen is going to be better. Better. Yeah. Um, I asked how that jail was that Chad is located in. She said that um, it is 
it is very stripped down because it's so small. The food that he's getting is bland microwave food because that's the options they have to serve. They don't have a full cafeteria. They don't have things like that. Um, they, he doesn't have radio. He doesn't have um, anything but a public TV and because like a TV in a common area. And because he is such a um, high profile a prisoner, they, he's probably being kept away from everybody. So county jail for Chad, not awesome. Not awesome. He's probably in like, uh, what's that called? Salt's. Yeah, he's in confinement of some yes. sort. It's yeah. not like it's it's going to be like, <laughs> a, you know, a five by five cell. But yes. it's, he's going to be very isolated. Yes. Very well deserving, though. Very well right. deserving. So the flip side, and I have heard this from more than one person. Lori is, I don't know if you'd call her a celebrity in her county jail, but it's a nicer county jail. And she's made friends. She's very kind to people. She holds um, like book study, probably Bible study. I'm not sure what they're studying, but she is, she's kind and she has this little group of people that are attracted to her in that jail. Oh my gosh. I feel like all these type of psychopaths, I don't know exactly what you named them, Mm -hmm. have this type of personality and this, this happens to all of them. People are drawn to them. Yeah. Yeah. So just to wrap it up, Lori Vallow's, second husband either first or second husband is missing we haven't they haven't released name details on that for um to be respectful but first or second husband is missing third and fourth husbands are dead brother is dead new husband's former wife is dead niece's husband was shot by her brother who is dead and her kids went missing and are now dead Oh my gosh, that's Mm -hmm. just crazy. Which is why she is called a black widow. Mm -hmm. The rough part about this case is that due to the lack of communication between family members and the fact that these kids have either, you know, lost or just don't have due to the circumstance, those permanent people in their life who care, their disappearances went undiscovered and unreported for way too long. It's completely unacceptable. I'm not placing blame on anybody because the situation was tough, but children should matter more than this. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm going to close out this case. We will continue doing updates. Yeah. Um, coronavirus has been putting this case on halt. So I don't know how long it's going to be till we see some serious movement and growth. I don't know if this is going to go to trial. Honestly, I don't know if the world's going to end July 22nd. So <laughs> we might not be doing this for very much longer. Seriously. We can guarantee the three of us in this room aren't part of the 144,000. Yeah. to be safe. But I will continue to do updates as we hear them. Those will be on our social medias as well as I will mention them if they come on our cases so you guys can keep following um this case but follow us on social media i post updates on other cases all the time that's murder with my husband on everything once again you guys sorry this one was so long but thank you for the support that we've received keep sharing um it really does help us i am like completely still just stunned i'm speechless i I did not think that what was going to happen last week ha- like would have happened and it did yeah. and it's because of you guys and so I am so grateful. Thank you mom for coming on. Guys, let Thanks. us know if you want her on more. I've I'll come back. I've I'm incredibly I'm incredibly proud of you too. Oh, You're awesome. You. <laughs> I've been so worried cuz she's so amazing and awesome. I'm like they're not going to want me anymore. They're going to want her. No, no, no. Um thank you Garrett for always listening and you know, hating it but still listening and and asking all the questions everyone's thinking. <laughs> let's be honest. I 
love it. And I hate it. Goodbye.